Welcome to North Coast Calvary Chapel's audio podcast. Today, we'll be continuing our series in Acts. When we hear from God, God gives us vision in our life that expands our perspective beyond anything we could have come up with on our own. All right, so what is this vision thing? What is this all about? If you go to the Bible dictionary, uh, you will see these kinds of definitions. It's the sight of things normally hidden from human eyes. They're experiences of a special awareness of God's presence, mental pictures used by God to convey messages, or even at times reveal future events, and they can happen when someone is awake or asleep, and they're experiences that grasp the imagination and evoke feelings in ways that ordinary language cannot. The imagination, this cognitive faculty that every one of us in this room has. We all have an imaginative faculty, and it's given to us by God, and there are ways in which God reveals his presence, reveals what he's doing, gives us a vision and picture of things through that imaginative faculty to perceive things that maybe the more analytical side of us is limited from seeing and perceiving and understanding. It is the capacity to grasp not just these supernatural sort of images that are like, you know, in trances and visions, but um, ideas that are bigger and take us outside of our paradigm and normal ways of seeing things. All right, so here's the principle, that vision is the ability to see ourselves and people around us and our circumstances through God's perspective. You with me? Now, this would be so cool, right? Wouldn't it be cool to be seeing things from the way that God sees things? And, and, And there's a part of that that's exciting and maybe interest and makes us curious, but there's also a part of it that's a little bit unnerving and threatening because if we're going to allow God to speak into our life and give us a vision um, of things around us and ourselves, it means we, it's going to conflict and come into collision with the visions of our life that we have for ourselves. Are you with me? I remember when I was at UCSD and I remember hearing the speaker talk about how they had asked God what he had made them for and asking God, show me what you want me to do with my life and beginning to pray that way. I'd never considered praying like that. I wanted to be a doctor from second grade all the way up through college and not that there's anything wrong with being a doctor. That's a great thing. It's just that I had never asked God. I had never even considered allowing God to give me a vision for my life. It was an area that I kind of kept to myself. And so uh, having been raised in a family that didn't teach me to listen or follow Jesus, um, this was new to me. So I, I went home and I just started praying this prayer. God, what have you made me to do? I got this idea. And I, I started to have these experiences where I started seeing my, my organic chemistry test in a new light. I wasn't getting the A's and the B's that I needed. I was getting like these C's and, and it was sort of a rude awakening. But rather than just seeing it as like, oh, you know, I'm just getting bad grades, it was this interruption into my vision for my life that God was trying to give to me, but they're not always welcome. It's not always easy to let God interrupt the visions that we have made up for ourselves in our life. And God was trying to get into my head, maybe there's something else I've made you for. But they're disruptive, and they shake us up out of the ways that we have gotten used to seeing ourselves and people around us, and that's where Peter is. He's gotten used to seeing Gentiles in a certain way and got a shaking up his vision of the world around him. The reality is that we spend most of our time looking at ourselves and people around us from a merely human perspective. But what does that mean? 
to see people through a human perspective. Let's go to 1 Samuel. In the book of Samuel, chapter 16, there's this moment recorded in history where God spoke to his old prophet Samuel and said, hey, Samuel, it's time for a new king in Israel. I want you to go to this guy, Jesse's house. And when you get there, I want you to anoint the new king. Problem is, Jesse has seven sons. And the one that's going to become king is not even in the house. So Samuel is looking at these sons of Jesse march in front of him, like parading, like, you know, I'm I'm the king, you know, and he's like, whoa, look at this guy, Eliab, this guy's tall and so good looking, he's got a six pack, this guy definitely has to be the next king, and then God interrupts him and says this, look, the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And now today in our Instagram, social media, image-driven, saturated culture, we are more than ever kind of just stuck, maybe seeing things at the surface, but when we are hearing from God, we get vision from God, we see things to the heart of the matter. We see people and ourselves and our world at a deeper level. Samuel has to be willing to allow God to change the way he's seen people around him. Now, it's not just secular culture. Even the church, Christians, we struggle to see people beyond their outward appearance to the heart of things. I want to give you an example. This week, Beth Moore wrote a letter, a public letter to the church at large. And in this letter, she's sort of just challenging Christians today to and inviting Christians into a new way of seeing one another. Listen to what she says. As a woman leader in the conservative evangelical world, I learned early to show constant pronounced deference, not just proper respect, which I was glad to show, to male leaders and when placed in situations to serve alongside them to do so apologetically. I issued disclaimers ad nauseum. I wore flats instead of heels when I knew I'd be serving alongside a man of shorter stature so I wouldn't be taller than he. I've ridden elevators in hotels packed with fellow leaders who were serving at the same time and not been spoken to and even more awkwardly in the same vehicles where I was never acknowledged. I've been in team meetings where I was either ignored or made fun of the latter of which I was expected to understand was all in good fun. Now, if you don't know who Beth Moore is, she is probably one of the most powerful communicators and preachers on the planet. She packs out stadiums because people are drawn not just to her communication skills, but to her profound insight and grasp of scripture. This woman is a 60-year-old veteran preacher who has established herself with a track record of godliness and just incredible Bible teaching, and yet... This is her experience of her treatment behind the scenes. She also writes, about a year ago, I had an opportunity to meet a theologian I had long respected. I had read virtually every book he'd ever written. I looked so forward to getting to share a meal with him and talk theology. And the instant I met him, he looked me up and down. And then he smiled approvingly and said, you are better looking than blank. He didn't leave it blank. He filled it in with the name of another woman Bible teacher. What is so powerful about this passage is that we're going to see that Peter is being challenged 
with God's vision to see people around him differently. And that's going to have implications for the church because the church is stuck looking at non-Jewish people through a lens that is limiting the expansion and the vision of God's kingdom from growing. And that is true for the church today. And all of us have these perceptions where we judge others by the appearance and it limits our ability to be an expression of God's radical love and witness to the world around us. See, the thing is that hearing God always invites us to share God's vision of reality. And when we hear God, that means we have to be willing to let our vision of life change to make room for the vision that God has. And that's kind of hard. Are you with me? It isn't always easy to let go of the visions that we have gotten comfortable with about ourselves or about how we view others to make room for a new vision from God. And it's hard to recognize that it's from God when it's threatening the one that we already have. And that is exactly where Peter is and where we need to be willing to allow the spirit to speak in fresh ways into our lives so that we can see where God wants to move through us into the world today. Without vision from God, Peter would never have looked for God's kingdom breakthrough at Cornelius' house. And there are people even today in the church that we write off and don't allow into places of leadership because of their appearance. Without a vision from God, we are easily intimidated by our circumstances and lack of vision for what God can do. Look at what Proverbs says. Proverbs says this, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now go to the NIV at the bottom, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, or the ESV, where there is no prophetic vision. The people cast off restraint. And if we were to finish this verse, it would read, but blessed is he who keeps the law. Meaning that the law represents the written word. And then you have here this idea of prophetic vision. This idea of vision is not just what we can imagine into the future. It is a divinely, supernaturally inspired God perspective. Are you with me? Vision is a divinely inspired God perspective. And that God perspective, it works with the written word, this stuff right here. And what they understood was it's not enough just to read this, that without receiving prophetic vision, we are more likely than not to disregard what the written word is telling us to do without prophetic vision to energize and electrify this written stuff like a spark plug igniting the the fuel in our life. Are you with me? There are just things written in here that we don't have the guts, the vision, or the courage to take to heart and live by without God speaking into us and giving us vision for how that's possible. It's not about how smart we are, how charismatic we are, how much we study this and analyze it. It is about that divine spark that comes from hearing from God that ignites it in our life. And that's what they understood. And you can see that in this proverb, how the two are connected and inextricably linked. So why does vision launch us into radical witness? Why is this so important? Why do we need this? Why can we not do what God's put us on the planet to do without hearing from God and getting his vision? Look at Acts 11. Acts chapter 11, the apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers congratulated him and praised him on his entrepreneurial spirit. (laughs) 
You gotta love the Bible. It holds no punches, and the first critic it has, criticism it has, is for the church itself. And here, look at how the Christians respond. The believers criticized him and said, "You went into the house of an uncircumcised man and ate with him." Why are they criticizing Peter? Listen to what New Testament scholar uh, writes about this issue. No ethnic religious divide in the Roman Empire during the first century AD was more pronounced and fraught with tension than that between Jew and Gentile. Ethnic religious divide. Can we relate to that today? Can we relate to ethnic racial tension in our country today? Fraught with Division and controversy. I just, I'll throw out a couple. How about Black Lives Matter? Just the mere mention of Black Lives Matter raises tension, right? We talk about that, it raises controversy. Well, what's he going to say about that right now? We talk about immigration reform, political tension. That's what was going on for Peter when he went to Cornelius' house. He was stepping into a situation that was fraught with political, racial, ethnic, cultural tension. And he was being asked to not sidestep around it, but to go right into the thick of it and bring a vision of the kingdom of God into that place of controversy and tension. It would be like right now, let's just turn the conversation in. Let's talk about racial um, injustice in our country. Let's talk about the racial divide between people and their, the differences of experience different people based on their skin color have in our country. But if we were to go there, man, emotions start rising. Perspective, we start colliding. Maybe, maybe we don't want to have that conversation, but that's what the Holy Spirit was asking Peter to do. Wow, can you feel it now? Do you feel what it took for him to go there and what it meant? These are not issues that the Holy Spirit wants to sidestep. In fact, the Holy Spirit wants to go right into the thick of it and bring the vision of God's kingdom into that place. So what does Peter do? What does he do in this moment? Well, he tells him the whole story. If you reach chapter 11, he just goes, well, this is what happened. Vision this, a trance over here, a little voice there, and a little spirit speaking there. And watch what happens in verse 18. And when they heard this, they thought he was out of his mind. I mean, it's amazing how they respond. Pay attention. They had no further objections and praise God. I mean, isn't that a miracle? (laughs) saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. I think this moment right here is an even bigger miracle than the fact that angels showed up or that anyone had any kind of vision to begin with. This is such a miraculous moment that this church that is criticizing, that is being asked to step out of their way of seeing the world in such a radical way could just turn on a dime and say, whoa, hey, man, if you had a vision and an angel, whoa, okay, now we know. Okay, why didn't you say so? All right, can you imagine if I got up here and said, hey, let's talk about immigration reform because you know what? I had a vision last night. I had an angel show up in my room. You'd be like, you know, get that guy off the stage. That would not be the way we would want to talk about these issues, but yet that's what the early church did here. What a miracle. Can you imagine if they said to Peter, you know, Peter, Jesus is gone now, and uh, visions and angels, we don't do it that way anymore, because that would get things out of hand and a little weird. But they didn't do that. 
They're like, okay. And they're willing to look at his testimony and hear God speaking to them through his experience. Isn't that powerful? Why did this vision launch them into radical witness? Why was it so radical? Well, because it's a vision of community that reflects a coming kingdom of God. It's radical because this moment is a sign of the kingdom of God that is coming into the earth through the Holy Spirit. Look at Revelation 5. This is not um, about a PC thing. This is not about being politically correct and like, oh, let's get everybody together in a room and sing Kumbaya songs. This is about kingdom vision. Look at Revelation chapter 5, uh, verse 9. John is having a vision of heaven. And, and uh, in verse 9, he writes, and they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll, speaking of Jesus, and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. Watch this, this is the best part. And you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. This is it right here. This is the vision. And what's happening with Cornelius is the first glimpses of this coming kingdom, of this coming new humanity and kingdom or community is showing up in this moment with Peter and Cornelius. This vision of Revelation is a multi-ethnic vision. It's intentional. This moment with Peter is an intentional moment. Peter doesn't just stumble into Cornelius' house any more than we stumble across um, racial tension and divide into one another's lives. We may smile at one another, hey, hey, how's it going, Frank? How's it going, Jennifer? But we don't stop, we don't get into the nitty gritty of this stuff by accident. It takes intentionality. We naturally surround ourselves with people who are a lot like us. That's just the way we all are wired. And yet here we see the Holy Spirit intentionally bringing people together across racial and ethnic Backgrounds on purpose. Why? To be politically correct? The Holy Spirit is not politically correct. As someone said this morning, he is Jesus correct. I suppose that would be another way of looking at it. Not PC, but JC, I suppose. But what we need to understand in that is that a vision of racial reconciliation and multi-ethnicity is actually a kingdom vision. And it's so important for us as believers to understand that when we look at the world and our country and we see the issues of racial tension and, and divide or gender divide and tensions, we have to look at that and not go, well, let's just put it aside because, you know, we just need to be about the gospel and about the kingdom and what that stuff will take care of itself. That is not what the scriptures teach. In fact, Billy Graham was tempted to do that when he was looking at the crowd at his crusades and seeing the room, the, 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 the crowd separated black and white over with physical dividers between them. And someone began challenging him, why are you doing these crusades with people divided like this? And some people in his inner core were like, well, we, we can't address that. We're not a political group. We don't want to, we don't want to get into the controversy. It'll take away from the gospel. It will obscure and bury the gospel. We're here to proclaim the gospel, pure and simple. That's all we're here to do. Other people are like, this is the gospel. That God is reconciling people from every tribe, tongue, and nation. The church is a sign of that coming kingdom of people coming together in radical ways. 
And so Billy's just caught in the middle. What do I do? Like Peter, like, oh my gosh, do I go? Do I not go? One crusade, he's there and he's looking at that crowd and he just gets off his pulpit. He gets down and he walks out and he physically starts to rip down that physical divider between these groups of people. And then pretty soon the people in the crowd start tearing it down and making room. And, they st- and, he starts, and he gets up on the stage and he's like, I want you guys to mix in with each other. It is a vision of God's kingdom that inspires people, Christians, to lay down their life for Muslims rather than being afraid of them. Listen to this story. This is a story of a young couple with two young daughters and they're in Iraq and they become Christian. And they get this vision of what God can do among the Muslim people. And so Shukri, the, the husband and the father, begins taking Bibles to the local mosque where he knows that radical Islamists are. And um, listen to what happens this, on a Friday morning. Shukri stood in the kitchen doorway and watched for several seconds as his wife prepared their morning tea. She hadn't noticed him. Love of my life, good morning. Khadija, his wife, brushed a hand across her eyes and smiled softly at Shukri as he continued, I must talk with you. She turned and faced her best friend. Of course. He continued, the Lord woke me this morning, and as I was worshiping him in prayer, I believe he spoke to me. I just love that humble way of putting that. Shukri paused, measuring his wife's reaction And he continued, I felt like the Lord said to me that I'm going to see him today. Khadija, his wife, her jaw dropped. No, no, Shukri, I'm not ready for this. We are only in our 30s. I can't bear the thought of losing you. And she pressed her hands together and touched them to her chin. I beg of you, don't go to the great mosque today. It's Friday, and the message must mean that you will be killed when you pass out Bibles and tell them about Jesus. But Khadija, listen to this. I have been reading the book of Acts. This book that we have. But watch what happens when the spark plug of God ignites the fuel of God's word in his heart. And God's message to me could also mean that the Lord will appear in power to Muslims there as well. I don't know if I was being told I would be martyred or that Jesus will appear. I could die. I'm not sure. But listen to this. This could be the breakthrough day for Muslims in Mosul. That vision of what God could do is not human. It's not normal. It's not intuitive. It's not rational. It's not analytical. It is just something that transcends all that stuff. And so Shukri goes to the mosque and he starts handing out Bibles and everything goes fine. And on his way home, he's intercepted by a group of men with their faces covered. They surround him and they say, we saw you passing out Bibles. We are here in the name of Muhammad. And he says, my brothers, I come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And right there in that moment, he lays down his life. But his wife has something to say to us. She writes, I share these words several months after I've lost my beloved Shukri. I'm not sure I would have been able to compose myself and voice my feelings before now. I ache for him. 
and it's hard to put into words how much I miss my husband. Yet I want you, you, who? She's writing this as a letter to us, the church in the West, and she says this to you all and to me. We are not leaving Mosul. God has put us in Iraq. Here is where we will stay. Perhaps you too have been called to persist at something that God has called you to. I am convinced it is our duty as servants of the Most High to stay or go or continue doing whatever he says until he tells us otherwise. That is not just like, oh, what an amazing God. I don't, we shouldn't hear this story and go, oh, I'm not like that. That person's so amazing. I could never be like that. And that should not create any kind of like, well, I'm not a great Christian. That person is. No, no, no. That right there is a story of what happens when God speaks to us and releases his vision into our life. I don't know about you guys. When I read that, I'm just like, man, God, I want to. I remember when I first read that, I just was just sobbing. I put a pillow over my mouth because I was just crying so loud. I was so moved by this vision of someone reading the same book that I'm reading. I'm just looking at his life, going, look at what God can do in our life. We just say, God, you can, I just want you to speak to me and give me a vision of what you want to do around me that I cannot make up for myself. There are people in our life Maybe it's us. Maybe we're, it starts with us. Maybe for some of us, we don't even have a vision of our own life and what it would look like for us to just to give our lives to Jesus. And we're a little bit like Cornelius. Maybe for others of us, you know, it's about allowing God to give us a vision of what he wants to do around us. And there are places in our life that maybe people, our marriages, our children, you know, maybe our workplace, our classes, our campus, our city, our neighborhood, places that... We frequent every week at the grocery store, you know, we all go there, that we've never said, man, God, I just want to let you speak to me and show me your vision of what you could do here through my life. It's not about mustering up something heroic out of ourselves. It's just letting God show us what he would like to do and what he could do and making room to listen to him. Where is that place in your life? where God wants to give you a vision that's bigger than anything you can come up with with yourself. I want to just invite the band to come on out. And as the band comes out, I want you just to look at your notes. In your notes, you're going to see this little, at the very bottom, it says, for God so loved blank that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. I want you to take a moment. We're going to listen to God, create a little space just to listen to God speak to us. And I want you to fill in that blank. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be you. You're going to put your own name, Ryan, right there, you know. Maybe you need to put me there, you know. Maybe you're going to put, maybe if it's the person next to you, maybe you don't need to put their name there, you know. <laughs> or maybe you could just put a little code word, you know. But maybe it's your, some, your office, your, your family, you know, your, your parents, your, maybe it's some friends or maybe, you know, some classmates, your team. Maybe you're on a sports team, you know, and you've never asked God, God, what could you do here on my team, you know? What would you want to do here? I remember a student at UCSD, on my challenge, I go, would you be open to letting God show you what he can do on your soccer team? And um, her and her boyfriend were both goalies for the USCSD soccer teams, right? The men and the women's team. Her boyfriend said, no, I'm not interested, but she said yes. And when she said yes, we just started praying together. 
And I just said, just, I want you just to draw to mind the faces of the women on your team. Let's just start praying that God would give you faith and vision of what he wants to do in their life. And as you started doing that, it started to change their perspective. And eventually, she started to see her friends open up in curiosity and friends starting to come to faith on her team. A place that she had never imagined that God could show up in. What are those places in your life? I want, let's just go into this. As we start this song, let me just guide you just to begin opening your heart to God right now. God, we want to open our hearts and our minds to you. Holy Spirit, we want to let you speak to us this morning. We want to let you instill in us and impart to us kingdom vision that's bigger than the way that we've been seeing our life and our world around us right now. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring to mind for us right now the places in our life where maybe we've never asked you to give us a vision for those places. We've never just said, God, what are you doing here? Maybe for others of us, there are places that God's given us vision that need to be revived because the fires of faith have begun to grow dim. And we need to let God reignite our faith and our vision again. I want you with your eyes closed. Just keep your eyes closed just for a minute. I got my eyes closed, right? So keep your eyes closed just for a second longer. And I want you just to bring to mind people, relationships in your life and ask God to show you where he wants to give you vision in your life. And as faces start coming through, I want you just to say, God, Show me how you see this person. Show me how you want me to see this place here. And I want you to just imagine Jesus showing up in that, in that picture in your mind and that you're in your office at the grocery store with your family in the morning when you're making lunch and getting breakfast out and you're getting them out the door. I want you just to imagine Jesus walking into the kitchen, walking onto the field with your team, into your classroom on campus. And I want you just to let, just be like a child, you know, and just play a game with God. Let your imagination run and see him in that space and watch what he does and listen for what he says. And I want you to write down in that blank line what comes to mind. Who is coming to mind? Let's go into this song with fresh faith that God is ready to do something wonderful through us and the world around us right now. Thanks for listening this week. If you're looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, please visit our website, northcoastcalvary.org.